into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is January 25th. It is a Thursday. Welcome to episode number 542 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, this tall cup of coffee, Marcus Kyler of the Yeet Crew, Space Tacos, Kayani Nelson, Chris Young, Evan P. Carey, Chris Whitlock, folks like Logan Fuller, who's holding the baton over on LinkedIn, Johnny Five in Australia, I mean in Thailand, excuse me, Johnny, Jason Summers, Nerman, Senfalis, Toasty Pops, Mel Cobbs, the flow is just flowing, LaGrat, Jay and Michelle, Anna Lynn with the blue badging, Pastor of Muppets coming in hot on Discord, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. coming too hot out the gate whether you are working in the industry or you are aspiring to work in the industry we got value for you practitioners you're going to get actionable intel on what you can do with this information tactically and strategically to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders and folks looking to break in the industry listen up you will be asked in any job interview how do you stay current this right here daily cyber threat brief is a home run response and the networking two windows over with the flow tom bishop from the boot ms julian up in new england chris whitlock coming in hot once upon a time in 79 sticking around guys the networking is chef's kiss very very nice so get in here, get exposed to the concepts and terminologies that you need to know to be a practitioner. It's going to be all about good times. As a reminder, I do not prepare or research any of these stories. In fact, today's special you know, surprise from CISO series is that I don't even know what the uh, back half of the stories are going to be because there was an issue with the blog post. So stay tuned for that um, you know, stocking stuffer or Easter, uh, Easter eggs, whatever you want to call it. Choose your holiday. Okay. Now, before I get into the face melting, before Laura Flores, run, Amish Runaway, and Tony Parrish and me just start slamming stories and dropping knowledge bombs, let's say shout out and love to the stream sponsors. Start with my good friend Eric Taylor and the crew over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Listen, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses i'm talking good thing you wore your brown pants today issues for businesses and it sends dedicated hard-working business owners into absolute turmoil but barricade cyber solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents believe that check them out at barricadecyber.com links in the description below also holla 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 shout out to barricade cyber the official black sponsor for 2024's wild west hacking fest now, if you're looking for a little bit more proactivity, if you're looking to get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals, then may I suggest Panopsi Security. Panopsi Security can help you drive your information security program for high risk reduction, low hanging fruit, tactical execution of tabletop exercises and user awareness, you know, InfoSec or executive retreats, Whatever it is, how to spend your money in 2024, I know it sounds crazy, but listen, the expertise coming out of Panopsi Security literally can be a guiding force at a fraction of the cost of having a full-time CISO, for example. You can get a check-in, uh, like strategic advice, 
like, listen, I personally, I, I don't know much about business or finances and stuff like that. So I pay a company uh, once a quarter to basically come in and be like a CEO, CFO to tell me what the heck to do, right? Because I need that expertise. There's no shame in the game. If you need some help, get some help. Penopsize Security can help you with your InfoSec program, getting it straightened out. James McQuiggan from 35,000 feet coming in hot. 13 months as a squad member. Best sub on YouTube. I definitely want to say shout out to James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. That blue badge came quick, sir. Love it, love it, love it. Also want to say love to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. You're going to want to stick around for the mid-roll because we're only two business days away from this opportunity sliding past you. You do not want to miss the opportunity that I'm going to talk about at the mid-roll with anti-siphon training. Too late, too late will be the cry when the man with the bargains has passed you by. You do not want to miss this. Believe that. Catch me at the mid-roll. Now, every single episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, whether it's episode one, two, or 542, where we're currently uh, sitting, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth one half of a CPE or CEU, depending on what you call it. If you're holding a professional cybersecurity certification and you need to maintain it with credits, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is half a CPE. So what do you do with that? Basically say, what's up in chat? Take a screenshot. File it in a folder on your desktop. It's like five seconds a day. Uh, we're doing the intro every morning anyways. Just say, what's up? Take a screenshot. File it away, and then when you need the CPEs, just circle them up, count the number you got, multiply it by 0.5, and you're off and running. James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet with the Super Chat. We just become best friends. Yep. Greetings from Clearwater, Florida. Today, drove at a low altitude to get here this morning to make sure I heard the show before the start of the day. This is the best way to start your day. Heck yeah, coffee cup cheers to you too, James. Got a big... Got a big cup of joe right here, right now. Thanks so much for the super chat. And uh, can't wait to connect with you again in person, James, and work on some more projects. Mm. So good. Hey, if it is your first episode today, I'm not sure how you found us, but we're really happy to have you. Say what's up in chat by hashtag first timer. Give us a hashtag first timer in chat. If today is your first episode, we have a... Um, we have a special sound effect and emote for you. God damn, Kimberly can fix it. Hitting the two-year mark. Been here from the start. You certainly have, Kimberly. And we are greatly appreciated to have you as part of the community. Way to go. Giving, giving Kimberly some mod love. Where's the, my, mod, my mod love button? Kimberly's been bringing the heat since early, early, early. All right, guys. Hey. It's all fun and games. Today is Thursday. It's Meme of the Week. Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, has got a hot one for us. Uh, we'll get to that at the mid-roll as well. But, hey, as fun it is to hang out and have laughs and stuff, Jakelsey Asari, first-timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Jakelsey getting the official welcome to the party, pal. Love it, love it, love it. Here we go. How do I, um, how do I, like... Something is wrong. Oh, there it is. Yes, welcome to the party, pal. Hold on. Did Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish, 15 months, Blue Badge. Love it, love it. Hey, Zachary, we've missed you, too. Welcome back to the party, pal. Zachary, judges, do we get a welcome to the party, pal, for Zachary? Y yes, this is confirmed. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Wait, great to have you. Okay, guys, as fun as it is to have fun and do jokes and sound effects, we are here to work. Boo! Boo, Jerry! We are here to work. So do me a favor. Uh, who is this? Uh, Richard Joe, Richard Joanning. Welcome to the party, pal. To the party, pal. Matthew Sokolik. Welcome. Welcome, to the, party, welcome to the party, pal. Look at all these new friends we got, squad members. Let's all welcome them to the party. This is great. Love, 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 love. First timers love welcoming new people. I hope you enjoy episode 542, friends. All right, guys. It's all about good times and we got work to do. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. See you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Thursday, January 25th, 2024. 
I'm Rich Straffolino. Cyber attack knocks Equilend offline. The fintech company announced it suffered the attack on January 22nd, taking some... Hold on, hold the presses. Eric Taylor from the top rope. All right, hey. So, hey, here we go. Eric Taylor just dropped a 50 squad uh, membership. So, we got 50 new squad members coming into chat. So, Senfilis, um, Jide. Uh, ah, we got 100. All right, we got 100 new squad members. So, basically, if you don't know, squad membership is um, a, pay, a paid membership to the community. You get access to all the fun emotes and some other fun stuff. Um, it, you don't need to be a squad member to enjoy the stream and get the CPEs and be part of the community, but it is a lot of fun. Eric Taylor just gifted 100 squad memberships, so look at it flowing in chat. Definitely get that Oprah emote. If you are one of the recipients of the 100 squad members, really, really welcome to the party, pal. And do uh, give a shout out to Eric Taylor and the crew over at Barricade Cyber uh, for... For the, for the generous gift to the generous donation, welcome, welcome new squad members. With systems offline, Equilen said it's investigating the incident with third-party experts. It cautioned customers that fully restoring systems and providing more details could take a few days. Equilen did not say if it lost any company or customer data as a result of the attack. This comes a few days after Equilen announced the private equity firm Welsh, Carson, Anderson, and Stowe planned to acquire it. All right. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, so this is a, you know, what kind of company is this? Um, data analytics company. Okay. It's a technology data analytics company. It's called Equilend, which is basically like a generic term for money. And, you know, it's all up in, um, you know, it's New York City fintech, right? It's very hot. So fintech's so hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. So here's the deal. Um, this is a financial services company. They got hit um, and they're investigating. Now, uh, one thing I will say is they are offline right now. I bet you anything. And, and really, to me, if, you, if you're banking with Equiland or you're doing something with Equiland, you already know this because... They are probably kind of like private equity type stuff, not individuals. So um, their their clients are well aware that they're down. What I want to share with you on this particular story is that um, they are offline. I would bet money that matters to me that they self-selected to go offline. And this is a really big decision and one that you should definitely work through uh, through tabletop exercises and conversations. Uh, before before things get serious, um, yeah, <laughs> CJ is right. Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber spend their marketing dollars on squad memberships, and we love it. We love uh, just Eric Taylor. He's a mod. He's also you know just a longtime uh, supporter of Simply Cyber. So here's the deal, okay? If you don't know, you're about to find out. And this is this is one of those. This is gather around the fire. I didn't realize we were going to get this right out the gate, but. This is a more you know. Guys, it's very easy to say, oh, pull the plug, right? Oh, just pull the internet. You've got to remember, guys, when you pull the internet out of a business, yes, you're stopping C2 traffic. Yes, you're stopping data exfil. Yes, you're basically severing the threat actor from being able to do whatever. A assuming that you're, <laughs> assuming Carl. <gasps> Assuming Carl doesn't like fire up a Wi-Fi hotspot on his mobile phone and it gets back online from an infected device, but let's put that aside. Deciding to cut the internet to your business will fix the problem, but it's like it's like cutting off your leg at the knee because you have, you know, you have some type of uh, scraper infection on your shin. You don't know how bad it is. Maybe it is gangrene. It's going to infect the entire body. Or maybe, just maybe, it's a surface scrape and you've just amputated your leg. So why do I equate it to that? When you cut off the internet, you are cutting off access to all the cloud systems that you're using. If you're doing um, Office 365, guess what? You're not going to be getting email. I mean, you'll get it on your phone, but you see what I'm saying. If you're doing... If you have multiple uh, locations, right, multiple facilities, potentially that gets cut off unless you have some type of like 
you know, hardcore like WAN solution and you own the, the, you own the networks coming back in uh, through VPNs and stuff like that. Like th there's ways to do it, but when you're cut off the internet, it's a big freaking decision, which is another time where CISO reporting to CIO is a conflict because the CIO is responsible for like IT uptime availability, business operations. And, and CISO's like, I don't want to be in compromised and go YOLO and be on the news tomorrow. Right. So these are conflicts and a problem why the CISO reporting the CIO, but that's a digression. My point is this company made the decision very likely to go offline, which is not a light decision. They said that they would have more information in the next two days, which is pretty phenomenal, right? As a very quick um, incident response turnaround as far as uh, committing to providing intel and information on the current events as it's going. There's no question right now that this company has definitely hired or contracted in a company like Barricade Cyber Solutions, right? In the morning, in the mornings when I do the read and I talk about Barricade Cyber Solutions and what they do, this is the manifestation of it. When a company like this gets popped, they have to call in a company like Barricade Cyber Solutions. They can have their own staff on hand, but dealing with like major breaches and potentially major like ransomware issues and stuff like that, that's why you want these specialists to come in. All right. So TLDR. If you're doing tabletop exercises, you should definitely consider what situation stimulate uh, stimulates stipulates that we pull the internet. And by the way, one quick last fun fact on this story and deciding to pull the internet. If you do pull the internet, do not allow the conversation at the tabletop exercise to just be like, oh, like we'll just pull the internet and get it sorted out. Ask the follow-up question. As a great tabletop facilitator, you should ask this question. And if no one can answer it, you need to follow it up. What is, what is the real impact? What systems do we require internet access to do? And I'll give you one quick example and I'll move on to the next story. Imagine if you will, this is a true story. Imagine if you will, you're a healthcare system and you have rural hospitals in your network. Rural hospitals typically serve a large rural community and they typically don't have specialists at those rural hospitals. Like for example, um, neurologists. Neurologists are responsible for diagnosing stroke. Strokes are very, very serious and it's very important. The sooner you can diagnose and start treating a stroke, the better the outcome for the patient. So at a rural hospital, if there's no neurologist on staff, which there isn't typically, what you need to do is basically have telehealth neurologists. And there's entire business models of neurologists that like they just sit in like a room in like Chicago and they rotate in and out and rural hospitals pay a monthly fee. And at any point they can hit FaceTime and they can talk to a neurologist so they can make sure that the community members of this rural community can get uh, diagnosed properly and treated immediately instead of being told, well, the internet's out. We don't have telehealth. We're going to need you to drive 90 minutes to a, the, the nearest metropolitan city to get seen by a neurologist in person. Do you know what happens to a person who's presenting stroke? If they have to make a 90 minute drive, they're not going to make the drive. They're not going to get there and they're going to have very catastrophic outcomes. Okay. So when you're talking about just pull the internet out. You really need to think about what is it that this business relies on for internet and really, really pull the strings on that. And I'm sorry that I spent so much time talking about this, but what it's important because what really happens, and now I'm getting mad, what really happens in tabletop exercises is you say something like, all right, hey, we're going to decide to pull the internet. What's the problem? And, you know, like the guy, like whoever's in charge of IT is like, um, looks up from their phone and they're like, um, we wouldn't have email for like, you know, six hours. And then you're like, okay, so CEOs, is it okay, ma'am, if we don't have internet, uh, we don't have email for six hours. And they're like, yeah, we could handle no email for six hours. And then we move on to the next thing. You need to pursue exhaustively as much as you can what systems depend on it, right? Don't just take one answer and be accepting and certainly don't take, oh, well, we'll restore from backups and move on, right? Like you can't have these simple 
hand-waving gesture responses in tabletop exercises. You need to rip the hood off and pull up your sleeves, get into the engine well, and get greasy, right? Pop in the hood like you're some stranger on the uh, side of the highway. You ever seen these people pull over on the side of the highway? They got the hood up and they're just like staring because they have no tools to fix the engine that's smoking. They have no knowledge on what to do. They're just looking at it. Like you can't have these sweeping hand gestures of how you're going to fix real problems. Okay, that's enough. I'm sorry. Brits warn of the AI impact on ransomware volume. The UK's National Cybersecurity Center published an assessment maintaining it was almost certain new AI tools would cause an increase in ransomware attacks with an uneven benefit to threat actors. The NCSC said it used academic material, open source tools, industry insight, and classified intelligence for this finding. Right now, the agency said AI tools assist with reconnaissance and social engineering, but likely will extend to malware development and vulnerability detection in the near future. The assessment believes only highly resourced threat actors will see the benefits of AI tools and likely not see the impact on ransomware attack volume until 2025. Yeah. Okay. Shall we play a game? All right. So, uh, CatGPT is in the house, or CatGPT has entered the chat. Um, okay, guys, like, <laughs> you know, from, from the office of lukewarm takes, British Intel says AI will cause surge in ransomware. Like, hello. <laughs> uh, 2023 called British Intel. They, they want their hot take back. Like, guys, we've covered this ad nauseum. Okay. AI is a very powerful tool. It makes people do things faster more effectively, higher fidelity, greater integrity, et cetera, et cetera. Good guys are going to use it. Bad guys are going to use it. Gray people are going to use it. People, uh, it, it using AI is going to become a societal requirement, okay? Meaning like everybody knows how to use the internet, right? If you don't know how to use the internet, you're, you're hosed, right? Everyone knows how to use Word and Excel to some degree. If you don't, you're hosed, right? Like if you go work at a job, they expect you understand what email is, right? No one's like, hey, welcome to the company. Here's the water cooler. Here's the bathroom. Hey, let's sit down and I'll show you how email works. Or have you heard of the information superhighway? Let's do a five-minute orientation. No one's doing that. Everybody uses it. Everybody knows what it is. By the way, for you youngs in chat, uh, before we understood what we were doing in the 90s, we called the internet the information superhighway because it was taking us places. Okay, AI is going to be that. You either use it or you're left behind, period, full stop. Next story. Data leak claims to hold over 26 billion records. Security researcher Bob Dianchenko discovered an exposed storage bucket holding a massive trove of user credentials. Dubbed the mother of all breaches, this includes 12 terabytes of information and what appears to be a compilation of past breaches impacting LinkedIn, X, Weibo, Tencent, and other platforms. It's unclear how many unique records the data set holds and if any previously undisclosed breaches are included. If nothing else, access to it could provide fodder for credential stuffing attacks. Get uh, DJ BSEC has entered the chat. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, DJ BSEC. All right, so 26 billion. Holy Jesus, I didn't even see the B there. Wow, okay. Um, yes, oh my god, yes. Here we go. Uh, somebody dropped this in mod chat. It, this is talking about the information superhighway. This was the textbook given to children. <laughs> I, I think I had this book. Um, or, or like, I feel like it was a book or it was a poster they had in the school library, right? You'd ride the keyboard. You are a keyboard cowboy. You know what I mean? You use the mouse like a tether. Look at these kids shredding it. Like Captain and Planet knockoff kids. Got the Velcro rocking on the shoes. Nice job, kids. Thanks, Casually Joseph, for the, uh, for the uh, thing. All right. So the Moab, I feel like you got to be really uh, careful throwing around a um, acronym like that. But Mother of All Breaches. 26 billion records. How many, hold on. How many humans, how many humans on earth? Anyone want to take a guess before it comes up? How many humans on earth? 8 billion. <laughs> oh my God. 8 billion people on earth. 
today, current population, January 25th, 2024, 26 billion records. So not is it not only is it just every single person on earth, but it's three of their accounts. Now, again, like, you know, a newborn doesn't have email and, you know, a hundred year old person probably doesn't have like 16 accounts. So obviously there are, you know, uh, fringe things. This is much a bell curve, but dude, what we're talking about is not just like, think about this for a second. Every single person on the internet, right? If you look out, if you're in a city right now and you look out your window and you see a bunch of bustling people walking around, getting on buses, subways, if you're listening in your earbuds right now and you look up because you're on the subway or you're driving and you're at traffic, look at the person in the car next to you. All of their data is compromised. Everyone, get in here. Get in the boat. Jesus. So 26 billion records. I mean, wow. LinkedIn, Twitter, Weibo, Tencent. Uh, it's all over the place. How did they get this information? Um, all right. You can check if data was exposed using the Cyber News Data Leak Checker. We'll come back to that in a hot minute. Um. The leaked data set mostly contain information from past data breaches. Okay, so first of all, this isn't necessarily new data. This is just rehash of existing data breaches. So again, here's the thing. I said it, I said it on the intro. I said it on the intro and I meant it. <clears throat> when you're going to say mother of all breaches, that is a very, very, um, not polarizing, but like you, like, you have to use that term. If you're trying to be objective and real, you have to use that term with deliberate meaning, right? This isn't the movie Elf where some crappy bodega in New York City has world's best cup of coffee. It's not the world's best cup of coffee. I believe me. Okay. So when you're saying mother all breaches, uh, why don't you pump the brakes on that? Because immediately we discover it's basically just a roundup of other data breaches. Guys, I can go on the dark web, right-click save, it, it, or, or like um, Troy Hunt's uh, Have I Been Pwned. He has a database with all the data breaches. So if Troy Hunt's database gets owned and released, is that new? the new mother of all breaches? No, it's just a rehash of existing breaches. So I would like them to pump the brakes a little bit on this. I've seen this kind of getting thrown around on general news, like, you know, ABC six news or whatever, like, Oh, it's the mother of all breaches. Unbelievable. Protect yourself. Hide your wife, hide your kids. You are so dumb. Right. But no, 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 it's a hash. Okay. So like, first of all, like cool it with your salacious hot takes. Now they do talk about this data leak checker. Let's go ahead and dig into this. Include your email or phone number. Mm, I won't be doing that on a uh, live stream believe that. But what I would say is, um, go check it out. You can see here, it says, well, here's another thing, right? Oh my God. The devil's in the details, guys. Listen, 26 billion records, 26 billion records. You can use this tool to check it. This tool says they're looking at 15 billion records. That is just about, um, 60% less than what the breach actually said. So it's not really one-to-one -one with the mother of all breaches. So um, anyways, it doesn't hurt to check. It doesn't cost money to check. Plus you get peppered with this NordPass um, ad that I'm sure Cyber News is getting paid for. I, I, I don't know how to feel about this, I guess. I feel like this is a good service, but it's slightly misleading. And by the way, if your information is not in here, that doesn't mean that you haven't been breached. It just means that your information isn't in this data set. Lab hit with zero click account takeovers. File this under another reminder to turn on multi-factor authentication. Earlier this month, GitLab warned about a zero click account takeover flaw. This allowed an attacker to send password reset emails to an attacker controlled account. The flaw doesn't work against accounts with 2FA enabled. GitLab released various patches to resolve the flaw on its community and enterprise editions on January 11th. However, the threat monitoring service Shadow Server reports over 5,300 vulnerable instances still online. So far, there's no evidence of exploitation of the flaw. All right. All right. So um, <clears throat> here we go. 
5,300 instances of GitLab exposed. You can use Shodan to find out if your instance of GitLab is exposed. Shodan.io, wonderful website. Um, I should contact them and ask them if they want as partner. Uh, I, I talk about Shodan all the time. It's such a great service. Um, this vulnerability has a score of 10.0, which you should, if you see CVSS 10.0, you should immediately register that in your mind as remote code execution, potentially unauthenticated and actively being exploited in the wild. If you see a 10.0, which is the highest score you can get, and you don't want a high score in this game, CVSS scores is like golf. You want a low number. Uh, you're not looking to, uh, pump those rookie numbers up. You're not trying to Matthew McConaughey, Wolf of Wall Street, these things. You're, you're looking to have low numbers and stay quiet. So if you're running uh, GitLab, which many tech startups are, and you are vulnerable to CVE 20237028, I got one thing to say to you. Ah, you got to patch it. You got to patch it. So go ahead and get after that. Um, it does not bypass 2FA. So obviously... If you are <laughs> practicing InfoSec in 2024, then you're going to be fine. Uh, but if you're not doing MFA on your accounts, ee, 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 like I, I almost need to button my collar all the way up and then pull it to the side and be like, rrr, rrr, rrr. you definitely want to have MFA on all the places. They have more information in the story here. I'm going to go ahead and copy and paste the story into chat. Um, they have more information on what versions of GitLab are exposed. Guys, um, I would just say monitor.shodan.io. I can't, I can't really show it to you, but you see where it says network, network monitoring made easy. This is monitor. Hold on, I'm going to type this uh, link in chat. Go check this out. It's super, super affordable. Monitor.shodan.io. They're not a sponsor. They're not affiliated. I just, I think it's a, a wonderful service. And anyone who's used it, please drop a line and chat on your experience with it. You can basically put in your IP ranges for your internet facing IPs and Shodan will monitor it and notify you if stuff has gone sideways or it's a bad situation proactively. And you could set up web hooks and stuff like that. So like, bloop, bloop, like a bot in Slack can tell you, hey, you got internet facing problems up in here. Or you could even have it play a Jay-Z sound bit where it's like, I got 99 problems, but uh, <laughs> hold on. You could have it play a Jay-Z where it's like, I got 99 problems, but CVE 2023 7028 in one, right? All right. All right, let's keep going. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Conveyor, the security questionnaire automation software that one of their customers dubbed my favorite security tool of the year, is now even better. How? Conveyor's AI can now use uploaded security documents, like a SOC 2 or security policy document, to auto-generate precise answers to entire security questionnaires in seconds. You can test the AI in a free proof of concept at conveyor.com. Everybody, welcome to the party, pals. Welcome to the mid-roll, pals. If you're getting value from the stream, entertainment value, educational value, any value, do me a favor, hit that like button on YouTube. If you're on LinkedIn, you can hit the like button, but it does it does less for the channel. Uh, I'm telling you to hit the like button on YouTube simply because it triggers the YouTube algorithm and tells other cybersecurity uh, people, people who are looking for cybersecurity content on YouTube, what we're doing over here. You first timers in chat, you first timers in chat, maybe you got cued into this because yesterday people hit like and at the mid roll. So just pay it forward, hit that like button, holla, holla, holla. I want to give a shout out to the stream sponsors again Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and guys, Anti Siphon Training. I told you, stay tuned for the mid roll, you're going to love it. Guys, anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing, get this, high-quality, cutting-edge education taught by industry leaders, allowing you to practice what is taught, engaging and networking with the community, all of that and more, regardless of financial position, i.e., you can do this 
for zero dollars. Do not equate zero dollars with no value in this instance. Yes, there's a lot of trash on the internet. This is not one of them. Anti-siphon training. John Strand, he is, if you like the vibe of Simply Cyber, you will like the vibe of uh, Black Hills Information Security, Anti-Siphon, John Strand. They're all, we're all in the same kind of boat, rowing in the same direction. Next week, January 29th, next week, John Strand is doing a live uh, available to be done remotely course right here, Active Defense and Cyber Deception. I've taken the course. It's phenomenal. Use the link in the description below to go and register for the course. You can pay $0. The week after, the first week of February, John Strand is teaching another course, SOC Core Skills. Do not think you have to be uh, an aspiring SOC analyst to get value from the SOC core skills. If you are trying to understand more about just fundamental IT stuff and a little bit of offensive security, this right here, the SOC core skills is phenomenal. Um, like don't, don't, please don't let this opportunity pass you by. John does these courses a couple times a year for free. This is guys, you know what it is? It's like a carousel coming around or ooh, ooh, even better. You know, um, you know, like when, when uh, people are doing jump rope, you may have thought uh, seen this when you were a kid, people are doing jump rope and you're like, you're, you're going to jump in, but you're trying to time it. So you're like, you're getting the vibe, getting the vibe. And then you jump in and start jumping up and down and you're good to go. This is the opportunity to jump in. Don't let it pass you by, or you're going to spend three, four, five, six months doing this little number off to the side of the, of the jump rope, waiting for your window to come around again. Believe me, I'm telling you, I love the work that they're doing over there. All right. Thank you, Anti-Siphon Training. Now, guys, check it out. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge. You're going to want to get all up on this right here. Logan Fuller has the baton. Logan Fuller is going to tag somebody in chat. Right? Logan Fuller tags somebody. Everybody else, listen up. If you want to grow your professional network on LinkedIn in a meaningful way, okay? If you want to blow it up, the link is to the training in the description below, Marco Polo. All right? Yes, DJ BSEC is legit. Listen, if you want to blow your network up in a meaningful way, do the following. It's simple. Go on LinkedIn. Search for the hashtag you see at the bottom. Hashtag simply cyber community challenge. You will come up with responses in your search query of people posting with it. Every single day, one community member posts. Connect with them, comment on their post, and connect with the people in comments. You will grow your network and passively, other people connecting with the people in comments are gonna connect with you. Again, search for this hashtag, connect with the posters, comment, connect with the commenters. If you are Logan Fuller, he's gonna tag somebody right now. Logan is looking for a, Logan is looking for a person to take the baton if you want to take the baton, if you want to be the one person who gets to post the Simply Cyber Community Challenge today, raise your hand in chat, head to LinkedIn, make your post on LinkedIn, and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and tag me. This is how people will find it. Like I just said, if you don't use the hashtag, then when people go and, oops, when people go, oh my God, are you serious with this action right now? We've got a complete devolvement here of Streamlabs mods 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 i i've i've pushed i've put i've i i flew too close to the uh to the uh, sun here guys getting my little icarus action going here you got to ki ki you're killing me streamlabs you're killing me i hate streamlabs obs 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 ah give me one second stand by Stand by, because we've still got Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish's meme of the week. And oh my God, I don't want to launch Steam. Steam is malware on my machine. Ah, uh, freaking hashtags. I mean, Streamlabs, not Steam. Windows, 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 you're so clever guessing what app I want to launch. Why don't you just allow me to launch the app I want? That's the thing I hate. Like Linux users are just like, like holding their belly laughing right now at Windows users. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, mm, mm, okay, here we go.
Here we go. Here we go. Logan Fuller, please tag somebody. Everybody else, please resume your normally scheduled programming. Doink. All right. And we've got um we've got We're going to just rewind it. We got Dan Reardon's haircut fish of the day's meme of the week. Every single Thursday, uh, community member Dan Reardon, he's in chat. Haircut fish does a custom meme of the week. Um, if you recall recently, if you call recently, we had major problems and I had to do like, I had to do like reporting and the stories and everything else. If you missed that episode, I at some point devolved into Harry Carey and I was like, what would you do with a, a data breach or whatever? So anyways, Dan Reardon made a meme of me as Harry Carey saying, if the GRC was made of spare ribs, would you eat it? I know I would. I'd wash it down with a cool North Coast old Rasputin, which is a delicious beer. So thank you very much, Dan Reardon. Love it, love it, love it. Very good. All right, guys. We do have to get on to the next stories. Let's go. All right. It will require warrants to release camera footage. Amazon said it will no longer allow police or fire departments to obtain footage from its Ring doorbell cameras by request. Any footage released will now require a warrant. This comes after years of Amazon partnering with law enforcement to share Ring footage through its request for assistance tool. Amazon spokesperson Yasi Yarger confirmed that Amazon will still release some footage to police without a warrant on rare occasions when there is imminent threat of death. Other smart camera devices like Google's Nest Line follow similar policies. All right. So uh, apparently your ring doorbell was being used by law enforcement all the time. Way to go. Uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people he didn't exist. The greatest way to have a complete surveillance capitalism <laughs> uh, market is to get people to opt in and pay for and set up their own uh, surveillance network for law enforcement. Now, I'm not going to be terribly unhappy. I think I, you know, a ring doorbell is fine. It looks out. It's not inside your house. Um, you know, you would hope that law enforcement's using it for good reasons. I do want to point out that there are countless numbers of examples of law enforcement abusing their access, uh, spying on people, being creepy, abusing their power. So let's not be uh, naive and think that law enforcement is like white knights and they're completely righteous and everything. You know, if Game of Thrones taught us anything about knights and knighthood, they are, you know, just people and people have, you know... Um, diabolical intentions sometimes, right? So uh, now Amazon is saying that the police will need a warrant to access user footage. Two things come to mind. One, why didn't they need a warrant before? First of all, like, is anyone asking that question? Second of all, I'd like to point out, uh, and I hate to be cynical, so please allow me to get my tinfoil hat on. And for those who are new here, uh, I always drop this little tinfoil emote when I'm about to say something that's completely speculative. If I had to guess, Ring is making this decision because of straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Why would they do this? Nobody, as far as I know, nobody was complaining. Nobody was saying there was no like revolution in the streets that we were going to stop using Amazon unless they began to protect our privacy, right? There was no upswell of revolution about the ring doorbell being given to law enforcement. So to me, what is the motivation? Why would Amazon take a 180 on this position? Well, maybe it's because law enforcement or super PACs or somebody was paying something to grease the skids on getting this. And that money, that honey hole, that cash cow, it dried up. And Amazon said, well, well, then no, we're not going to do it anymore. You could see the same thing. And it makes me think like, guys, if you've ever done consulting professional services, um, if you've ever done consulting or professional services, you, you basically work. But if they, if the client stops paying your, uh, your invoices, you either work at risk, which I would recommend you don't do, or you stop work until they pay the invoices. Right. Uh, Shane Prevost, Shane, good to see you, Shane. It's been a minute. Shane Prevost in chat says maybe there was a lawsuit. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe there was. If there was some information on a lawsuit, uh, let me know in chat. I feel like Amazon's got really good lawyers. It could probably fight that no matter what. Uh, hey, Nicholas Vidal is saying he'll take the b- baton, Logan Fuller, if no one is taking it. So anyways, at the end of the day, when I see something like this, as cynical as I am, my first thought goes right to this is a cash money thing uh, uh, unless something other paradigm shifting is going on, right? Like let's say Amazon just got acquired by like the electronic freedom of uh, 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 the EFF. Am I saying that wrong? Uh, electronic Freedom Foundation, or I, I said it the other day. Yeah, it, it, excuse me, Electronic Frontier Foundation. So the Electronic Frontier Foundation is very privacy focused and very individual centric. So like, let's say EFF purchased Amazon, then it would make total sense because that would be aligned with their philosophical underpinnings. Amazon has demonstrated that they are all about straight cash, homie, to the point where they have commoditized human workers and warehouses in unbelievably um, cold, cold, sterile ways where you get fired by like a text message because you're basically not meeting your your hourly uh, KPIs and stuff like that. So anyways, straight cash, homie. This is a win for us, right? Our ring doorbells aren't spying on us without warrants anymore. Data center energy usage to triple. A new report from the International Energy Agency estimates that electricity usage by data centers could more than double by 2026. In 2022, the agency estimated data centers made up around 2% of global energy demand, with crypto mining accounting for 24% of all data center consumption. The added electricity demand would likely be the equivalent of adding another highly developed country to the globe. This demand will likely vary by country. The IEA estimates the U.S. will see data center energy usage climb from 4 to 6% of domestic demand by 2026. In Ireland, it predicts a sharper increase going from 17% to 33% of domestic demand in the same period. AI compute needs would largely account for the increase expected to hit 10 times current consumption by 2026, while crypto mining could increase by up to 40%. All right, so Gorov has the baton officially. Go get it, Gorov. Super pumped to see your post. Um, this isn't the story. I again, like CISO series didn't post the back half of the blog, so I don't I can't pull up the web pages for you guys. Apologies. Um, so they're saying data center usage is going to triple. Um, crypto mining, even though you know we've gone through the crypto winter, and I know Justin Gold is Justin Gold and Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. That's the sound effect of Charles Finfrock. He is a friend of Simply Cyber Community and very, very bullish on crypto. Um, him and Justin Gold, uh, BFFs for the crypto wins. Um, it's not going anywhere. Uh, like the energy it takes to mine cryptocurrency is high. As long as people are paying the money, as long as the power can be produced, it's going to keep happening. Um, this is certainly not a cybersecurity story by any stretch of the means, but it, I guess it's worth knowing that there is going to be load. Um, if you're into alternative energies, you might want to look into that, uh, especially if you're going to have some type of like off-grid solution. I, I don't have much to say. This isn't a cyber story. Report maps out AI threat landscaped. The Berryville Institute of Machine Learning released a report detailing the nature of potential threats posed to businesses by new LLM-based tools designed to be a resource to CISOs and security practitioners. The report outlines 81 risks, with 23 directly related to black box issues where businesses lack visibility into how a model reaches a specific output. The report calls on government regulation to focus on rules for these LLM black boxes rather than focusing on users of those models. All right. Uh, so this sounds pretty cool. This is a dark greeting uh, story. I think that this is worth investigating. So this, oh, it's a NIST paper. Oh yeah. So if, hey, if you're one of the new 100 squad members, get up on this I heart NIST emote. And if you don't know me, I love NIST. I love NIST. Uh, so this is a NIST related paperwork. Uh, I mean, uh, excuse me. Um, research paper. We've got a nice little infographic here. They have the black box up here, basically indicating, here's the thing. What scares people is they don't understand how AI comes to its conclusions. 
And AI, I'm telling you, AI probably thinks of humans as like meat sacks, right? They're like, oh, you ignorant, slow, stupid meat sack. You don't need to understand how I get to my conclusion. Just know it's right and move on. Uh, and this is how the balance of power happens and how, <laughs> how Skynet becomes self-aware. Um, I, I think here's the deal. AI is definitely, as I, as I mentioned earlier, we live in the AI age, okay? Like this is something I'm firm on. Nobody else is saying this. So if you think this is a dumb take, it's my take and that's fine. We lived in the bronze age, then the uh, industrial age. Then when the information superhighway came on and data became the new gold, we lived in the information age. If you look at the wealthiest people in the world, we live in a digital gilded age. Mark Zuckerberg like bought it half of like Hawaii and is building a $270 million super compound out there as a prepper, right? Elon Musk has his own space shuttle program. Jeff Bezos, who knows what he's doing, right? Like we live in a digital gilded age and the wealthiest people own data. But guess what? Sunset that information age because the dawn of a new time is here and it's called the AI age and we are all up in its face. So as a practitioner like myself and like you, it is incumbent upon us if we want to pivot and continue to be on the cutting edge of providing knowledge and cyber risk reduction guidance to our stakeholders, it is imperative that you are aware of what these risks are. And yes, I can ask ChatGPT to write a Python script. Ooh, I can ask ChatGPT to write a convincing phishing email. Yes, these are like surface level, one degree low. There are 81 categorical threats in this report. I bet you some of them are really, really innovative or novel. If you're going to be protecting a business, this is where you got to go. Also, I'd recommend, actually, this is like almost a recommendation for myself. I, I'm, I'm, again, I don't prep for these shows. So like what I'm saying, I'm hearing for the first time too. Um, Black Hat, DEF CON this year or any conference, if you want to present at a conference, Casually Joseph talking about maybe starting to speak at places, Wild West Hack Confest, you want to come out? I'm telling you, AI talks are probably going to get picked up by the um, CFP panels just because it's so hot right now. That Hansel's so hot right now. All right. Just like um, hacking IoT devices was back in like 2015, all those, like, dude, I couldn't, I couldn't swing a, a pillowcase with a pool ball in it without hitting a hacking IoT device talk in 2015. Welcome to that. So anyways, uh, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to book. I'm going to drop a link in chat. But to me, this is a, um, a report that you should read. I might even read this and then post my thoughts on LinkedIn. If anyone's interested in that, like I'll make it clicky. So it's like, you know, 10 things you need to know about uh, AI threat landscape or whatever. You know, like I got to come up with some clickbaity thing. I, I basically asked ChatGPT to like, come up with a title for my, for my posts. So, you know, more people click on it. Here we go. There's the Skynet. Thank you. Uh, mod team. Trello API used in data leak. Last week, a user on an illicit forum attempted to sell a data set containing account information on over 15 million Trello users. This contained mostly public information, but did associate email addresses with real names. In a statement, Trello said the user obtained the data set by scraping publicly available data from an exposed API. Trello set up the API to allow developers to integrate its services into third-party apps, but the forum user found that they could use it to pull account information with just submitting an email address. Trello said it now requires authentication to access the API. Have I been pwned as the dataset to its leak site? All right. So, unfortunately, Trello is used by a lot of people. It's like, it's basically, uh, I think it's owned by Atlassian. And it basically is like a scrum Kanban board solution thing. If you don't know what about, about that, it basically helps with like project management, especially if you've got multiple uh, people uh, working together on a project. Now, Trello is cloud-based. This is straight up 101 API security. If you're interested in uh, web application pen testing, if you're, if you're actually working at a tech startup, um, you should uh, review this because APIs, application programming interfaces are hooks that allow usually software to access functions and data sets of other systems. In this case, Trello, right? So like you could log into a Trello website 
and it would be make it would be presenting you the Trello information, but it would really be doing API calls, which would mean you could create your own little app or your own little script or your own little webhooks, integrations, automations, whatever, and leverage those same API calls. Well, some jack wagon figured out, hey, if I just put in like um, brad.notrich at gmail.com and fire it off, if brad.notrich at gmail.com has a Trello account, I will be able to pull information back. So uh, here's what you would do in this case, or probably what this threat actor did if I had to guess. Take a uh, data dump of email addresses, put it in a script, very easy, and have it grab the first name off the list, pull the Trello API, uh, write out to a file everything that comes back. Go to the next name, write out what comes back. Very easy. And this is how that person built a 15 million user data set. I also want to point out when you script things, 15 million sounds like it would take a million years for me to in ZMAF and Chris Young to manually do, right? And it would. I did a brute force attack with Hydra, like, I don't Tuesday, Monday. It's it's one of the labs for the Cyber 101. So I um I did a I did the lab and it went through 14 million um username password attempts in about three seconds. Okay, 14 million attempts in three seconds. So if you're picking up what I'm putting down, this can be done very quickly. Like, like you don't even have to leave to go get a taco. Like literally you hit enter. And by the time you like, you know, close the uh, close the scripting window and open your, you know, file explorer, the output is there. Okay. So this is what this dude is selling. Trello fixed it by requiring the API to have uh, someone authenticated, which means you have a session token. It would be interesting to know if once you authenticate, once you authenticate, does that mean you could still pull anyone's information or just the information you have access to? That's a follow-up question I would have. Uh, Marcio says, have you ever considered attending CyberCon? It's the Australian version of DEFCON coming up soon in our capital city, Australian capital territory. Oh, no, I hadn't thought of that. But I do have a very good friend in Brisbane. Um, I It would be cool. It would be cool, Marcio. I'll, I'll have to look into it. Um, I would love an excuse to get down to Australia for sure. And acquisitions always present challenges to an organization. When it comes to cybersecurity, how involved should a CISO be before? All right. Sounds like that's it for the news. All right, y'all. Looks like it's 8.57. We are doing great on time. I want to remind all of you, this is huge. Today, 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 today at 4.30 p.m. Today, today, today at 4.30 p.m. Simply Cyber Live is happening. This is the one-hour long-form show that I run every Thursday afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, basically, it's a wicked cool show where I bring on industry experts, people who have unbelievable experience, unbelievable knowledge, unbelievable stories. And we basically talk to them, answer all your questions, learn from them. It's, it's an amazing, amazing show. And today I am so honored to have Tiberius as my guest. This guy is like a level 60 wizard, web application focused wizard. Um, and if you don't do like RPGs or uh, World of Warcraft or stuff like that, basically he is top tier, next level, amazing. And uh, I'm super pumped. We're going to talk about pen testing, web applications, content creation, bug bounties, all the resources you need and the ones you want to avoid. All that and more. Be good, Annalyn. It's great. Great to see you, and you're welcome. Uh, it, I take it as a wonderful honor and a privilege to be able to serve this community. Thank you, Simply Cyber Community, for showing up. If I was streaming to one person, uh, to zero people right now, I, I would feel bad. I would feel like I'm not doing a service. So by having 426 of you awesome folks here, um, it is a privilege to serve. All right, guys, it is Thursday. I'm wearing my Citadel shirt, my Citadel mug. Nick Barker, if you're listening, I'm actually going to go directly into uh, campus and teach the students how to fish credentials using the social engineering toolkit. Easily one of the funnest um, 
labs I have. Uh, so Jonathan Lindsay, I guess the interviews could count as CPEs. I don't promote that the Simply Cyber Live does count for CPEs simply because they're kind of all over the place. And I don't want the, uh, honestly, I don't want the burden of having to make the argument. The morning threat briefing, it's undeniably worth CPEs. The Simply Cyber Live one, it's probably worth CPEs, but I don't want to fight um, any organization on defending it. So, I mean, we get 108, like you get like 10X the number of CPEs you need for a year with the daily cyber threat brief if you're a regular. So it, it is what it is. All right, guys, I'm Jerry, your chat. I hope you had a great time. Thanks all for being here. Shout out to the mods. Love what you guys are doing. Be well, and hopefully I see you all at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.